the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Happy Saturday, everybody. Good morning. Saturday, February 10, 2024. Peter Boyle's on the air everywhere. 710 KNUS Weather Center weather. It is snowing outside. 35's all we get. Roads uh, partially are a little slippery out there this morning. Uh, Sunday goes to 38, and on Monday it is 43 degrees. Coming up later in the morning, the hitman, Joe Williams, and, of course, the one, the only, Sandy Clough. We'll talk about the Super Bowl. In the meantime and in between time, I love no man better. Ladies and gentlemen, the return of the native, the original, the original OG on the border, your friend and his, ladies and gentlemen, Tom, Tom, Tom Tancredo. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Peter. Boy, so much to talk about. Um, yeah, no kidding. I was, uh, I was telling where, where the kids were all together last night and we were talking about you coming on the show and, and, uh, my, my daughter said, how many, how many radio shows do you think you did with Congressman Tancredo? <laughs> All right. So, how many shows do you think we've done together? Uh, two or three. Uh, One or two. Hundred. <laughs> Minimum. Minimum. I was oh, trying. Yeah, to, yeah. 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 Absolutely. My, ra- I, I, my you know, the the way I rose to such fame and glory, fortune, was as a, as a result of our conversations. No, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because. You were Ronald Reagan's appoint, appointee. Take us back into, mm-hmm. into that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I served in the Colorado legislature, of course, for uh, three terms, starting in 76. <laughs> and uh, then I did get uh, this call, and guy said, you know, you, your name has been given to us as someone who might want to serve in this administration, meaning the Reagan administration, 1981. And I said... Because I had been a Reagan delegate, and also because I had been a Reagan surrogate speaker here, and so, and also because I knew Frida Poundstone, <laughs> who we both her. love, we love her <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yes. absolutely, and she was a, a big force in the Reagan administration, yeah. of course. Anyway, um, so this guy said, y- you know, you uh, your name has been given to us, someone who might want to serve, and I said. Are you kidding? Who do I have to kill? <laughs> no, you don't have to kill anybody. But but uh, I said, well, sure. Reagan, are you kidding me? I, I'd love to. And I said, in what capacity? Guy goes, well, you're a teacher, then a teacher. Yeah. You chaired, chaired the education committee in the state legislature. So the U.S. Department of Education, something. And I said, oh, God. I said, please don't don't take don't take this wrong. And, and I, I really am thoroughly uh, um, just bowled over by your your request but i said i don't think so and the guy goes uh well uh why not and i said well because i don't believe we should have a u.s department of education and the guy goes well people goes, well that's why we're calling you that's right <laughs> so, you're our guy <laughs> yeah so anything one led to another and um and they wanted me to go to washington and i said you know in what capacity oh you know the assistant secretary of something. I said, Oh, you know, don't get me wrong. I still absolutely bowled over by your offer, but I don't think so. 
Why? Well, because they said, look, my wife's got a job here. We have a home here. I mean, this is 1981. You couldn't, you had to give away a Mercedes uh, with your house yeah. to sell it, you know? And so uh, interest rates and inflation. So I said, we, we really c- couldn't afford to do it. And who, nobody wants to go to Washington. We've got two kids here in school. Mm-hmm. Nah, no, nah, I don't think so. So they said, well, we're going to make these regional offices. Uh, what, by the way, Tom, Tom what, yeah. year, what year is this? Because 1981. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, or let me see, when was I in the, let me do a, a Biden here. When was I in the Department of Education? No, it was 1981 for sure. And okay. um, the uh, they said, well, we're going to make these regional offices political appointees to, to lead them. And I said, I didn't know there was a regional office of the Department of Education. Oh, yeah. Said we, you know, there's plenty of people. We send out checks every couple of weeks. They, they get them. Somebody cashes them. So I went and went down to the 19th and Stout. And wow. They, uh, and looked around at the buildings and and they were i mean and you know went inside looked at education department of education like three floors i mean who knew and there were uh, at the time 222 people and i always have to be careful here 222 people employed there some of them were working there you know <laughs> not not many but some were and um, so I, I said, and our job was to implode it. That was what we were supposed to do because we could not get Peter a year and a half only at, since the creation of the U S department of education mm-hmm. under Carter, uh, because it was a sop to the teacher sure. union remember? Sure. had nothing to do with education. No. First of all, understand that nothing, but it, it, it wasn't, it, isn't it fair to say, the Department of Energy has never created a kilowatt. A single job. Yeah. Or, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. And, uh, or, or barrel of oil or yeah. anything else. Um, and so there, there are, of course, a number of, of uh, government agencies of that particular type. And so when I went there, um, I started, I, I thought, well, how do we do this? And I, and I started going around and, and talking to each person, you know, that on each floor, I had a personal staff of 20 some. Uh, yeah. And I, so I'd go to each one and I go, um, what do you, what's your job? What do you do here? And they say, well, uh, I'm a GS 12. And I'd say, well, great. What do you do here? Well, I'm an ed tech. And I said, look, yeah. you come in in the morning, you turn on the, the light, then what happens? Yeah. And it was apparently, I mean, it was apparent to anybody, nothing really, of certainly nothing of significance. And I thought, oh, this is going to be easy, man. We can get rid of a ton of them here. Well, it was ridiculous and naive of me to think that because when you are employed by the federal government, just because you don't have a job to do, yeah. it, it's not a reason for termination. It's the It's the supervisor's job to find you something to do. It's not your fault you didn't have a job. So... Um, I, I, oh, and then Peter, this is great. I'd been there about a week, maybe. And I get this call from Washington and they said, this guy from the department said, um, this so-and-so, he said, you know, you have 70, because by the way, this was September and, and the end of the fiscal year for the federal government is October the 1st. So they said, uh, you have $72,000 in your can. What are you going to do with it? And I said, first of all, what's my can? Oh, that's your, you know, and you come into the end. He said, what are you going to do with it? 
I said, I'm not going to do anything with it. And I said, but don't worry. Next year, there'll be should be a lot more yeah. to come back. And they said, well, listen. You have to listen, spend it. Yeah. You got to spend it. Yeah, I remember if you, you telling me this story. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, if you, if you, if they can prove uh, that you purposely underspent your budget, uh, you, that, that's against the law. Because yeah. Nixon had impounded a bunch of money. That's right. That, and, and Congress responded by saying, look, your job. Mr. President, is to spend it. Ours is to appropriate it. And so they actually, and I said, look, if you, (laughs) tell me when you're coming to arrest me for a purpose of underspending my budget, because I want the I'm going to have all the press here um, yeah. leading out, leading me out in handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> what did you do? Well, I purposely underspent my budget. I'm sorry, dear God. And so, well, I mean, I didn't get off the phone, and that seventy-two thousand dollars was gone. Wow. You know, it was out of my out of my can and into the secretary's and, wow. and spent within twenty minutes. The lessons. So, yeah. yeah. But the only way that you can get a, the only way that you can reduce your staff um, it, it, it is to go through what's called a RIF, reduction in force. The only way you get that is by getting your budget cut. So I would go back every year and say, look, uh, I got way too much money in my budget and I need it cut. And I know it's not going to go back to the Treasury, but at least I won't have it and therefore I'll have to lay some of these people off. And eventually, I mean, we went down from 220-something to 60, I think it was, when I finally left it. And um, and I always gave a speech, and I'd say, you know, I've reduced my the, the numbers here by eighty uh, percent. Has anybody been able to tell the difference? And yeah. of course, yeah. never, never. And if we'd gone to zero, Peter, no one would know, know the difference. The one, the only, Tom Tancredo, uh, Peter Boyle, seven ten K in U.S. So that I was trying to figure the year. So I'm thinking like eighty one was when we first met, or eighty. And well, invited you to come and do the radio show. I, the, you know, the only way I can place the year there is because I I know that the first time I ever came down there, it wasn't there where you are now. Of course, oh. it was over on Morrison Road, right. and it had like a, a wooden a wooden door. Oh yeah, ring to go inside. You know. that's the first. So whenever you were there, it was in that period. No, that's when KBPI Rock in the Rockies was on one end of the building, and we were on the other building, on the there other end are. of the building. We're, we were working, all of us working for Tony Brooks, and um, Stephen B and the Hawk. There's a team radio, team radio show. Yeah. Uh, Donnie, sure. and, Donnie and Steve were there, and then I had the other end of the building, and. I remember you came in the door, and at, to- at the time, you were Reagan's guy, I think. You were the regional rep. And I was yeah, telling well, my I, kids, I, yeah. I did that for him for the, you know, I was there the enti- his entire uh, wow. um, his tenure. So uh, it, was in, it was in the 80s, probably. Yeah. And, uh, and when, then I was reappointed by Bush, strangely. Yeah. So. You were with Herbert Walker. Yeah. And then, and then and I ran the Independence Institute. And then Dan Schaefer, there's a name. Yeah, oh, I'm trying yeah. to remember all this stuff oh, driving driving to work this morning. Yeah. That Dan Schaefer steps oh, down. Man. What a what a yeah. what a thing that was. Well, I, yeah, for, well, I came back and I was I ran the Independence Institute, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. um, and for, for for about five years, and uh, that was you know during uh, Clinton time and oh, that sort man. of thing. And um, and so. I, uh, Danny, 
who no one thought was going to leave. He'd been there, yeah. he'd only been there a couple of terms, but he was well-loved, a young guy. Yeah. Everybody thought he was great. And, and I thought he was, a, he was a great guy. Never thought anything about it and about running. And, but all of a sudden, it was yeah. really sad, terribly yes, sad. Yes, it was. He, he wanted to, he wanted to, to drink yes. and he, he, he wanted, and, and Congress got in the way of it. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just incredible to say these things, but it's oh. true. And so he quit and did go off and and, uh, and drink himself to death. Literally yeah, drink did, himself yeah. to death. Yeah. And it was so. It was interesting. He yeah. and my mentor Bob Lee coached a baseball team together. Sure. And that's when I met him. And uh, you know, Bob. Great guy. Really. Oh, yeah. Nice Bob. Guy. Bob wasn't alive much longer than than uh, than. Then Dan Schaefer and two really wonderful men, and then also wasn't Jack Schwaggert was, yeah, he was the first. Yeah, he he was the first uh, person that was filling. I mean, he, he won uh, the the seat when it was created uh, and for the sixth congressional. Yes, and but did not live out his his uh, his term. Term no, and Can't. so then, and you, you know, then you you stepped in and. I think we were working, Tom Tancredo's here, Peter Boyles. I think we were working TV together at Channel 12. Oh, yeah. And we were doing radio together. And that's all that great Roy Romer stories that we've regaled many times. And I was was the political pinata there on that channel. Oh, (laughs) you know, yesterday, and I was going to mention it with uh, Sandy and Joe, uh, yesterday was Larry Zimmer's funeral. Oh, Uh, my God. Larry Zimmer passed yeah. Oh my gosh! And it was a, it was a who's who. I didn't know that. And uh, Larry's Larry passed, and um, so I I went to the church, and then I'm uh, fighting off this cold that won't go away. So I didn't go to the the graveside, and then they went on to a reception, and um, Joe went to that, and I talked to Joe this morning. He's coming on the show, and Sandy, and I thought right in the middle of all of that. We were working at, I was working at uh, KHOW, and right next door was KOA. And you were doing filling at KOA. Oh, right. And that was the, <laughs> and you know, yeah, I tell you, I, I sat in the pew next to one of the, fi- uh, one of the finest men I've ever known in my life. I sat with Lee Larson and his wife, Donna. Oh, and my, and, and yeah. I, I knew you and I were going to talk today. And I thought, that moment when Lee Larson was staring through the glass at you. Jesus. Huh? <laughs> Giving me the cut sign, oh, you know, and, oh. and we had just come back from a break. <laughs> yeah. And and, and, yeah. and Dave Logan oh, Dave Logan told a great radio story. I love radio stories anyhow, but he told a great radio story about uh, he and Larry, and um, it was a wonderful Dave Logan story. And uh, and I'm thinking to myself, well, we're, you know, we got to start writing down radio stories. But in the meantime... And I've always visualized the uh, that moment in uh, in in Goodfellas when when uh, when Henry Hill's in the shower and he hears that they pulled off Lutanza and he's be- you did it you know he's beating on a wall so Tommy's you were in the shower <laughs> well you tell the story because I, I wasn't there yeah well because no, um, I was to go on and take over for Mike he was uh, going to be on vacation or something whatever, how many days. And, and, um, and, and so 
I'm, uh, it's great, but I, I read in the Rocky Mountain News oh, at man. the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, this, you know, and I'm looking at this editorial that was written uh, by, um, what's his, I mean, he's a good guy, one of, one of the only few that were there. And, but it, it uh, and I was talking to a friend of mine about it afterwards, and there was something about Romer. And it, it, uh, my, my friend was saying, you know, uh, he's been having this affair with uh, BJ, and um, they've got all these pictures of him out at the uh, airport, um, you know, loving her up. And well, that was, I, think, and, well, I think that was at, at National or Reagan by then. Or, yeah. They're in a parking lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. And, and so, um, but the, at the same time, we were, it was a big flap about, about Clinton uh, and, and his dalliance. Yes. So, so I thought, well, there's a good lead in, <laughs> right? And so I came in and I started talking about it. And, uh, and Lee uh, came running in and, and you're right. That's when he gave me this side to cut. And I said, oh, I have to go one more time. We have to go to break here. I know we just came back, but we're, and you better and so be right. Goes, yeah. He yeah. says, you better be right. Where yeah. did you get the information? And I told him where it came from guy at the, at the Rocky Mountain News. Um, and oh. he said, uh, he goes, um, well, okay, you got to call the governor yep. and get him on the, and I said, great, sure. fine, absolutely. Well, we call him, of course, they wouldn't do it. And so I went back on and we continued, but I'm thinking, oh my yeah. God, what if it was, what if this is not inaccurate? Ooh, Maybe, ouch. Not, you know, yeah. And so that morning, next morning, because, you know, I'm telling Jackie, oh, dear God, man, this is going to be, if if I was not right about this, this is going to be pretty bad. And, uh, but but there was Peter Boyle talking about it five o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. And and, and the fact that it was, it appeared in the, the Washington Times, um, it was, a, it was the magazine. Yep. And, and, and so, uh, that's what I was beating on the wall in the shower going, all right, the we pic- don't have to leave town. No, the pictures had dropped and then. Patricia Calhoun, to her credit, had done that story in Westward, and it was the worst-kept secret, but you broke the egg. And yeah. I remember that so well. You called me that night, and we we have this—Tom Tancredo, Peter Boyles, we have this wonderful friendship. And so I went, well, okay, and then came through all of that, <laughs> and then you, deci- oh then you decided to run for Congress. You won— However, let me tell you, if we got a minute for a course, story. Of course. Uh, so, same thing. I'm taking over from Mike. It's, uh, it's Christmas, and I'm going to have to do three or four days. And um, and starting on a Wednesday morning, I remember. And I get this call Tuesday night from the station, and they go, um, because uh, um, they said, uh, listen, um, the coach, our coach had just been fired. Uh, uh, Shanahan yep. and uh, and they said so it's wall to wall that's all you're going to talk about and I said it's already been like on every single station yes. every single there is nothing left to say and I'm not the guy left to say it because you know what am I I said look I, I really don't know them you know Mike he could have gone on forever oh, sure. those thing. I mean he was a brilliant he had all that sure. stuff that knowledge about the I, I'm I'm a and this is what I told the audience that morning. I said, look, I love the Broncos when they're winning. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, they're okay, you know, but I, that's about it. I really like them when they're winning. I don't pay much attention when they're losing. 
but I, I, I really enjoyed what we had. We had season tickets for a long time, but wasn't worth it anymore. But so I said, I really don't know what to say. And I'm supposed to talk about the fact that Shanahan's been fired and everybody knows it. I said, but what I want you to do, uh, everybody, if you don't mind, is just call in and tell me why it matters so much yeah. to you. Because yeah. I still, I mean, it was bad. You know, the guy walked away with $27 million, yep. I think, something like that. And and all of a sudden, the whole town is going into conniption fit about I, it. I remember and, this well. Go ahead. So, yeah. so, I, so I'm, I get through about maybe, maybe the first hour, not quite on, on that little uh, uh, journey of uh, why, why it matters to you. And then I'm stuck. What are we going to talk about now? Oh, my God, this is going to be crazy. And uh, and maybe it was it must have been Mike's producer, uh, Dave Lauer, Dave Lauer, yeah. who, who got the idea and called Zimmer and got him on the other line. And oh, thank God, because, you know, these people go, well, 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 maybe we should replace him with Coach Blitzelderf yeah. from Iowa, you know, I go, well, just a minute, let's ask somebody who really knows about that. Uh, <laughs> and so I kept him on the line the whole damn what a good of the man. show. What a, oh, God, he was a wonderful guy. And I'm so, I'm so sorry. I did not know about yeah, him he, passing. And, yeah, it was, um, and I skied, <laughs> we skied with Larry and Bridget. And, you know, when I was first learning to ski and with Larry and Bridget and, of course, John Beek. And it was just a lineup of stars there yesterday. I mean, it was all the... And then Dave Logan got up and spoke for him, and it was well. Joe, when Joe comes on and, and uh, Sandy comes on, but there's only been a couple of funerals that I've attended that, and they were you know radio. Irv Brown when Irv Brown passed, and then his two sons stood up for him, and uh, when Rick Barber died, and those guys stood up for Rick Barber, it was just wonderful. I mean, there was that life well lived, and uh, when when Dave Logan spoke for. For Larry yesterday morning, it was it was absolutely incredible, and he was. That's he, great. It was exactly that guy. Let me sell something. Yeah. We'll come back. The one, the All only, right. Tom Tancredo, Peter Boyle, seven ten K and US. Coming up, Valentine's Day, Black Eyed Pea, Colorado, locally owned and operated. Stephen Michelle loved the joint and eight locations. We got the biker breakfast place that we go to in Castle Rock. What are your plans for Valentine's Day? The Black Eyed Peaism delicious specials. On the 14th, the 12 ounce hand cut primer, 35 bucks. Choose the grilled salmon for 28 bucks. Maybe it's the steak and shrimp you'll be wanting on Valentine's Day, $35. All entrees come with soup, salad, two sides, cup, a cup of cherry or peach cobbler with ice cream. Spend that special Valentine's Day at the Black Eyed Pea. No matter what the occasion, the Black Eyed Pea's gift cards are always the best deal. So, Download the Black Eyed Pea app, go to the website and select Pickup, and place your order without having to call in. I love everything about the restaurant, and I tell you, you will as well. Eight locations, let them do the cooking for you. Keep it in Colorado. Visit the Black Eyed Pea near you. Yeah! Lou does it again. The Tramps. Disco Inferno. I ain't talking about burning down buildings. Whew! When I was a young disco jock, we would play 18 and a half minutes one side of this, spin the lights, woof, we get after it. 35 and some snow in the city, 38, we got to let them bring it in, crescendo it in. 38 on Sunday, Monday, 43 degrees. Here it comes, here it comes, there it is, Disco Inferno.
Everybody lined up. Big monster bells. Horn section in the background rocking. Drummer hitting it. The tramps. 710 KNUS. Good morning, everyone. Ski season in full swing. The snow is absolutely incredible. Winter Park. Wow. And you know what it means? That it's time to visit Larson Ski and Sport and get all your new gear for the season. And I, actually, people, lots of people don't even start to ski now until February when things really warm up and start to change. Take it from me. If you need any ski or snowboard gear, go see Larson Ski and Sport. Renters, buy or rent demos, which is a really great thing to do. It's like new skis you're renting or new boards you're renting. The guys at Larson's take the time to get to know you and your family and match you up with all, all the right brands and enjoy your time on the hill. Helmets, goggles. New boots. There's new rear entry boots. They've come back. They're so comfortable. Larson's is so convenient. You can stop on the way up the hill or on your way home. You're westbound on I-70. Get off on the Kipling exit. Come down the ramp. Make a left. Come back under I-70. Out the other side. Look to the west. You'll see a big wooden building. That's the Crab Shack. Next to the Crab Shack, seven days a week, Larson's Ski and Sport, whatever you need especially rentals for kids and grandkids. John Marriott, Paul, Jack, Jack Marriott, the Larson's absolute experts at everything that you'll need for winter sports. Stop in a day and tell them I sent you. Larson Ski and Sport, south of I-70 on Kipling, 303-423-0654-303-423-0654, com. The one, the only, Tom Tancredo, Peter Boyle, 710 KNUS, and one of the other things I wanted to go to, and then we'll come back to why I've asked you to come on the show, was when you decided to run for president, and I remember you, you and I have been through so many things together and, you know, having these conferences or little lunches, and we'd say, okay, what about this? What about that? And it was it, was it in 2005 that you Eight. Just, 2008. Yeah. Talk about that. Well. Sure. Um, first of all, you have to understand that that I came into Congress in '98 with the with the intent to make this my issue, and I also at the time thought I would have some support among the other Republicans. Um, I, I was wrong on that count. Uh, I, I did come in. I started talking about it. I, I and this went way back to when I was in actually teaching and, and uh, bilingual education was put in place. And I kept tr- thinking, why is, wh- what are we doing? How come I lose kids are taking out of my class who can't even speak sp- a word of Spanish, putting Spanish speaking classrooms because their last name was this bit. Well, anyway, that was, the, that kicked it off for me. And I kept looking into it more and more, went down to a, a big mass meeting uh, held in the civic center. I remember because I'd heard that they were going to be talking about this and um, and pushing for something called Atslan. Atslan is uh, the the name that has been given to that portion of America that was taken over, uh, taken from Mexico, Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, uh, eighteen forty eight. So they want it back. And um, and and I went to this meeting, and I mean, to this, it was a big rally, and um, I picked up this this. You know, the, one of the brochures they're handing out, and, and that's what it said: "Return to Atlan," and and it listed all the things that had happened. And one was keeping the mother tongue. And even then, the whole idea of immigration was not 
anything to do with giving people a better life and all. It was to separate, separate, and give power to the to the race pimps that were running the show, and especially at the Department of Education, U.S. State Department of Education. There was a thing called uh, the Chicano Education Project, and they were running it, and they were a bunch of separatists. And and here was a guy, uh, long black hair. I remember a red bandana. Uh, with a microphone, and he's, you know, raising the rabble. And I, I kept thinking, my God, this is amazing. And do people really know what this is all about? Next thing I know, that guy runs for the state legislature. Mm-hmm. Same year I run for the state. And I, we both win, and we became each other's nemesis. And his name was Federico Pena. Federico Pena. Remember it so yeah. well. Yeah. He cut his hair, bought a suit, yep. and you know went went to it went into the state legislature. Anyway, so there was the, that was sort of it, and I kept talking about it and thinking about it, and even um, so. So here I am now um, going to, into Congress. I talk about it, and I find out there's nobody. Now I know people can't imagine this is true, but I swear to you, it is. I had no one who was willing to support me in this cause. Remember, and not another Republican, uh, 200 and some Republicans. And I could tell you stories about what happened when I tried to even introduce it. They hated it. Well, so the fact is, I went on then to use what's called uh, what on in the legislature, I mean, in Congress, you could sign up for what was called special orders. And that was any time the Congress uh, or the House, in, in this case, would uh, shut down for the night. You could have between whenever that was mm-hmm. and midnight, you could sign up for a, 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 an hour and speak on the House floor. Usually it would be two or three people that would do it, spell them each other, you know, because there's nobody on, on the House. Remember, there's nobody in the audience. Only people who are seeing you are on C-SPAN. And so, uh, but but it's all I had. There was no, I had no other venue. So I'd go on night after night after night. I'd sign up, and, and and if I could get on, I'd go on. Fifteen minutes, whatever, an hour, I'd do it, and I would talk about this issue. And I'd think to myself, "Oh my God, is anybody, you know, anybody out there in in C-SPAN land actually looking?" But I'd go back to my office midnight, picking up my my stuff to go home, and all of the lights on the on the phones would be going. You know, and and I could hear the old the fax machine in those days going. Da, 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 da. And oh my God, I'm thinking maybe people are listening. Well, they were. Yeah, cause they, I'd meet people over, and they go, "I saw you on C-SPAN," and I always say, "You know what? We got to get it. Both of us got to get a life." <laughs> if you saw me on C-SPAN, and and so I, I talked and talked and talked, and and what happened was, I got started getting um, all these invitations to come and speak all over the country to Republican groups. Because again, not because I was so incredibly articulate or or my oratorical skills or whatever, but because I was the only guy talking about it. That's right. But it was hitting a nerve with John Q. Citizen. And they wanted, you know, they felt that way, but nobody would say those things. Nobody would say we have to do something about immigration. So I'd go. I go all over the country. Well, every time I, it was, <laughs> you're speaking to a Republican group, you know, and, and almost every time somebody would go, well, how's our guy? How's Fred? Our good old Republican guy. And I'd say, Fred, Fred, Fred's crap. 
on this issue. Are you kidding me? And, and, and of course, I wasn't out the door. And Fred was on the phone with Tom DeLay, <laughs> who's the whip. And, uh, and I'd get back and I'm like, they ring me a new one. You can't do that. You can't go into members district, Republican districts. And, and I said, what am I supposed to do? Just lie to them. Oh, Fred's great. No, Fred's not great. And I'm never going to. Do. So this one thing led to another. And, you know, I've, I've told the story in my books and but that's absolutely true. The, the thing you need to know about Congress when you wonder why, how can this guy, how can this guy or this gal who, who said all these things when they were running and turn into something oh. so different? Well, the, the reason is this, and this, this tells you everything. The final thing was Tom DeLay says to me, it, you know, and he did like his finger in my nose and going, you did little S O B. He said, I want to see you now. And I'm thinking, Jesus, this is, you know, it's the worst yeah. thing it's ever been. And I'm saying, you know, better call Jackie and see if they got the kids. You know, are, they, <laughs> are, they, are they holding our children somewhere? And so I go in and talk to him. And he's, you, I've told you, I've told you how many times you get. And you keep doing this. And, and then we start arguing. And, and he says to me, this is the last, he says, and this is his greatest threat he could possibly muster. And that's what you have to know about this. He goes, you keep this up again, you little SOP. You keep this up and you're going to ruin your career in this place. (laughs) (laughs) And I just was stunned in the way. And I said, Tom, Tom, I said, I don't know how to break this to you, (laughs) but but I don't want a career in this place. I don't even like this place. Do you understand? Well, so I figured, and, and really by that time, uh, I mean, so they, they, they sort of left me alone, but man, you know, it was persona non grata for, for anything. In the, uh, and so I figured, you know, I don't know that I can do anything more here in Congress. And, yeah. and uh, I probably burned every bridge that, that, that there was to burn. So, um, and we had a lot of people who were saying, you know, I, why don't you do this? Why don't you run? You know, 2007, it was 2007. We started running for the 2008 uh, election. And so I did. And never thinking I was going to, you know, I certainly never, ever thought I was going to get nominated or elected to anything. But I remember it I, so what, well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, My hope was that I could, we could get these other, I'd always say that the tall guys with good hair mm-hmm. on the stage with me, you yeah. know, but I get into all the debates. And and the reason I could get in, the reason why it the whole thing began to matter that I said I was going to run is because I had like 20 some percent. And that was just mm-hmm. because I had spoken all over the country on the issue. And so that they had to let me into the debates. And, you know, for the first few, I mean, I remember standing there on like a potted plant on one side, Ron Paul on the other. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, but the, so I went in and, in, in um, Let's see. I guess it was uh, it was February and uh, left in uh, December. Um, and but I did uh, did the best I could. When uh, former congressman and dear friend Tom Tancredo, when did we ride in the Columbus Day Parade? Oh, were, you, were you a con- were, were you a congressman still then, or were you the, the run for governor uh, was one of my true favorites? But yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think it was. Um, I think I was out. Okay. Of Congress at the time. And, and uh, yeah, because I was in several, but the one that uh, was got to be the most raucous, I guess, is 
when American Indian movement huh. came, remember? Sure. And, uh, remember. Rioted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was fun. That and was Tommy, fun. <laughs> and we were, and and they had blocked it. And then this is a John Hickenlooper, you go pick a moment, and the um, the Italian Italian community goes and gets first. They go get the uh, the permit to demonstrate or to have the parade, right? And uh, these other guys wanted to stop the parade, and Hickenlooper, I mean, actually said both sides. I said no, there's not both sides. You know, the constitutional right and the permit. So I don't know how you, well, once again, I know how you did these things, but you called me up and you said, hey, you want to ride your motorcycle on a parade with me? And I said, well, of course I will. And um, we ended up with, we had police protection to ride in that, ride in that oh, parade. Yeah. And we yeah, had the, yeah. the, the woman cop, and I forget her name, she was undercover. And finally, after about three blocks and all these horrible things were being said, I think the woman cop that was with you got on the back of your bike, and then this woman got on the back of my bike, and then we rode that parade. That was a, that was touch and go. The other one I really remember that we we had more fun with was Dan Mays, and you mentioned Frida Poundstone. Yeah. Tommy, was that the best? Oh, that was the best oh, ever. God, God, it was. It was terrific. Peter, I still just to this day I think about being on the show with you, being in the. In, in the studio, oh, yeah. and you call him up, uh, Dan. You know, I got a couple of questions for you here, and, and you know, like right off the bat, any question you ask, he it goes into you know, but uh, yeah. and then he says, he says, "I'm going through a tunnel. I can't. I can't hear you." <laughs> they start making noises like it was static. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, God, was that hilarious? It was hilarious. And remember, uh, Dick Wattams, who, of course, hated yes. me and, and still does, yeah. but uh, and hated me at the time because I was going to steal this from the Republicans. And God, I was doing it for the Republicans. If they, you know, yeah. I, I knew this guy couldn't win. And if he did, he would have been indicted oh. in 10 minutes. So, uh, so uh, for, for the longest time that I was in, all the Rep- I was just, you know, absolutely the. The, the worst guy in the world to, to Republicans. But by the end, by the end of the campaign, yep. every single Republican yep. elected official of which I am aware got, uh, endorsed me. And, we, and so did, so did uh, Dick Wattams. Dick, Dick but, Wattams did, but, yeah. But before he did, right when I did it, um, and I had gone after um, McGinnis uh, and Mays, and because they had already won the, you know, they had won the oh, yeah. uh, nomination, right? And so I, I couldn't run as a Republican. I had to run as a, a Constitution Party guy. And and so, but uh, Dick Wadhams, we, we had him on. And he was talking about how rotten I was to be talking nasty about um, McGinnis. <laughs> and, I, and I said, what are you talking about? You told me. In private, you did, but I'm going to tell you now, since you say these things, that you told me that McGinnis was a fraud. And she, you know, went through this long list of things he hated about McGinnis. Anyway, that's not true. And you go, yeah. uh, go ahead. No, <laughs> go ahead. You, you said, you said, uh, did well, you you told me the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad moment. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah. it was just great. We it was just great when we did that one, and then you remember we we met. I was on a motorcycle, and you said, "I'm going to run on the Constitution Party." 
Yeah. And um, and and yeah yeah and you we ran or you ran and uh, I, I one of the more horrible things I ever saw happen to somebody was when the Denver Post lit into you and um, actually manufactured yeah a story about you that got you so jacketed and uh, it's unforgivable. Uh, take a second with that because I do want you to talk about as we watch the world spin and how right you have become that so many people that didn't like you then now go, well, you know, that Tancredo, he was right. But talk about what, what happened with the Denver Post. Sure. Um, we, uh, Jackie and I would go back to Washington every Monday morning, come back every Friday. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, we were had a rain. We had contracted for our basement to be remodeled and um, have a theater thing put in and stuff. Uh, uh, Denver Audio, I remember. And um, mm-hmm. uh, so th- they would come and, and we'd leave a lock, you know, there's a lockbox. They'd, they'd work all week and we'd come back and look and see how things were done. That was about it. So all of a sudden, um, I get this call from the Denver Post and they said, uh, listen, uh, we understand that you're using illegal labor, I- illegal aliens mm-hmm. uh, to, to finish your basement. And I said, no, I didn't hire illegal aliens. I hired uh, Denver Audio. You can to- go talk to them. I always ask them, do you have the papers on these people? And they always say, they, I mean, everybody would say yes to me, right? And so, and they say, well, but now we have, you know, there are people saying, I said, well, I don't care what they're saying. I'm telling you, I've never hired an illegal alien to do any work for me, of which I'm aware. And he said, and they said, well, uh, so next day, uh, they, I, I told them, well, go go mm. and talk to Denver Audio. I mean, they're the here. I'll show you the contract. We uh, we hired them. They're they're out there off of Arapahoe Road, um, a big place. And he said, uh, yeah, we're next thing I know, front page, front page, remember. banner headline. Yeah, Tancredo hires illegals. Yeah, I remember uh, it so well. So oh my well. god. I went crazy, and you know, and there was, and and, and by the way, they never uh, went to Denver Audio. Well, better yet, they never identified the two. They said who came. Oh, no, remember they knocked right. on her door and. Yeah, they said God. no. That we've got two people that came here and said that they had been employed yeah. by. I said, well, who who are they? Who yeah. are these people? We're not going to give you their names. Yeah. you'll have them deported. I said, well, you're telling me that the two illegal aliens on their own walked up. walking down the street and went, you know what? Let's go and talk to the Denver Post sure. about the fact that this guy hired us. I said, I, I don't believe it for a moment. But if it's true, who are they? Yeah. Let's let's let them face this and, and see. No, wouldn't tell me. Wouldn't and never ever went to Denver Audio and asked them no. if that was the case. I remember. And, uh, I mean, so well God. that talking to you, both of us talking that night and thinking, how did they do this? And um, Denver Audio. Remember, well, then wasn't it like the Mike Rosen Theater? Didn't you have like a sign? And oh yeah, oh yeah, a yeah. poster, yeah, yes, yeah. and it was hilarious. Right. Well, yeah. Man. Oh well, it was quite a time with them. It really was. And then, um, remember, we asked, did we have, or maybe you had on what's his name? He's the you know, guy, the publisher of the Post, uh, Dean, Sing- um, the, Dean Singleton, who I still Dean talk Singleton. to. Yeah. And um, uh, you asked him something about it, and he said, "Well, you know, it's." Uh, 
it wasn't his business. Out of, out of his hands. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah, yeah no, that's what hands. he said, yeah. Anyway, anyway. No, that, that, that was, that was, that was, a, now, I, I just, we were telling somebody, um, I don't, this oh, was. Oh, and every, you're right. Every, every race I ran yep. subsequent to that, it would come up. Yep. Oh, yeah. Somebody would bring, they would make commercials out uh, of it. Yes. Uh, Tom Tancredo hires an illegal alien. Yes. You know, because once that gets into the, to the narrative and the system, yeah, you, you, you just run around constantly going. Oh, that's not true. Yeah, it was the bloodstream. Not true. It's not true. Yeah, once yeah. it en- once it enters the bloodstream, as I've told people, it's not going to leave. And Tommy, of course, uh, now I want to do this and talk about what's going on as we watch every single thing. I, what's the great line of a prophet in his own land? But every single thing that you predicted was going to happen has happened. Uh, I'll put them on hold for a second. The one, the only, Tom Tancredo. Coming up, Joe Williams and Sandy Clough talk about the Super Bowl. Dan Kaplis's law firm. Danny's my guy, the only attorney in Colorado. And again, when our family went through some stuff, he was there and making phone calls late at night. And how are you guys? Five straight multi-million dollar jury verdicts in uh, motor vehicle crash cases. His partner's. A lot of young guys, men and women coming out of DA's offices. They're a firm with good people from all walks of life without regard to ability to pay. The level of representation you get from the capitalist firm is over the top. Danny believes that talk's cheap and experience counts and results matter. And the firm will be happy to share with you its track record of outstanding jury verdicts and out-of-court settlements. He is my guy. He is my friend. Danny believes that who you hire says so much about you and everyone involved in the case. Choose a firm that shares your values. The firm believes core values have been the foundation of his historic success in faith, integrity, hard work, and dedication. Danny's help, 303-770-5551. It's just a phone call, 303-770-5551. Dan Kaplis, C-A-P-L-I-S, kaplislaw.com, 303 303- Seven seven zero fifty five fifty one. Toby Keith, man, that was something. It was one of my true favorites. We lost him on a Saturday morning, February 10, 2024, 35, and snow continues, 38 tomorrow. A final couple of seconds with Tom Tancredo. He's agreed to stay into the next hour. Joe Williams and Sandy Clough coming up. Do one more quick story, the Carl Rove story, when people mm-hmm. think you were Mr. Republican and what Karl Rove did. Okay. So um, this was uh, shortly after uh, 9-11, and I um, had an interview with the Washington Times uh, or editorial board. Had to go in for lunch with them. And um, I told them uh, during the course of this interview, which was probably an hour and a half, I said, um, you know, if we don't do any more about illegal immigration than we've done up to this point in time, and if we have another event like 9-11, the blood of the people killed in that event will be, be on the head of the heads of the president and, and members of the Congress that have uh, shirked their duty and responsibility to keep our borders secure. Because, of course, you remember every one of the 15 Saudis that were oh, yeah, here they were all there. crashed the planes. Yeah. They, were, they were all illegal. Yeah. Um, they had all overstayed their visas or lied on the visas or didn't have visas. And so um, anyway, uh, that was that. And the next morning I was 
pulling out of my driveway in Alexandria and uh, uh, they get the phone rings and it's uh, I see on the thing it says White House mm. and I thought geez um, that doesn't happen very often for me you know so I said yeah I said hold for Carl Rove <laughs> and so uh, he comes on and I said Carl how are you today and he said I was well I was alright until I read the paper today mm. but I'm not okay. And so I said, well, I haven't read the paper, but I think I probably know what you may be referring to. And so <laughs> it started a wild ass uh, screaming match all the way up um, to 395, if I remember correctly. And uh, uh, he's yelling, and you're a traitor. You're a traitor to the party. You're a traitor to the president. And, and, and I said, look, look, uh, I, I know what I said when I, every time I have taken an oath of office, every time I've been elected or reelected, the oath is to the Constitution has nothing. There's not a word in the, in the Constitution about the party or the president. Uh, so that is my first loyalty. You understand? And I'm telling you right now that my my feelings are the same. That 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 we have abandoned the 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 borders and and something's going to well. So we were yelling back and forth, and, and then he goes, all right, yeah. don't ever darken, darken the doorstep yeah. of this White House. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, first of all, I've never seen the welcome mat out for me <laughs> at the White House. And secondly, it's not your house. <laughs> and and, and it, uh, anyway, so it was, I was back into my ninth grade playground, you know. Uh, the, the, <laughs> you remember they called him Bush's brain, Carl Rove. Oof. Oh, man. Mean man. He's a piece of work. He Indeed. is a very nasty guy. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm gonna. So that's the Carl Rose. And, and I never did get an invitation. The only thing we got to do was go to the White House ball. Thank goodness, because my wife really loved that. You're on hold. Give me a second to do a couple of things. We'll come back and continue with Tom, Joe Williams, and Sandy Clough are on the show. Want to talk about again Joe Biden and watching all of that. And again, people brought up uh, Tucker Carlson, but. I'll tell you what, Vladimir Putin just took him to school. All right, 35 snow continues, 38 on Sunday. Lou, Lou Gonzalez has the con. We're right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 